Hallelujah. Before I talk, I want to share a testimony. And I call Samuel right now to testify what the Lord has done. Hi. Uh, I'd like to testify for what the Lord has done in my life. Uh, first, I'd like to go to Psalms 37.4. It says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. So the first thing uh, I'd like to talk about was how I got my job. So in college, in my third year, TCS had come to come for placements. So I did the interviews and the tests, and I uh, got the offer letter. But for a year and a half, they um, I had no response from them. And I was also not at peace with joining TCS. So uh, I had a target for like how much I want my salary to be. Uh, and TCS uh, didn't have that. So I started searching for other jobs and I did freelancing. Uh, yeah, so I got a few responses from here and there from uh, companies, but I wasn't like uh, sure about these companies. Um, so finally, at the moment, uh, nothing was coming through. And then uh, uh, one of my friends from um, my class called me and said there's a vacancy in her company. So she said, why not try out? So I applied. I went there and I did the interview, the tests, uh, sat the whole day there. And then he was like, um, I like your work. Uh, I like you to, I like to hire you. Uh, this is the salary I can give you. And it was exactly the salary I was looking for. And he said, I could start the next day. So that's how I got my job. So the next thing I like to talk about is one of our cats. So we have four cats at home. Uh, and we don't let them out much because it's not Only very... Four. Four in the house, a few outside the house. So, uh, one of our cats, Nala. Uh, Nala is a boy, by the way. So, uh, on Monday, I think, uh, our aunt Preetam I was here from the UK, and we had planned to uh, go out with her for dinner. So, while we were out, uh, Nala had slipped through the house, slipped through the door and had gone out. Uh, so, we got back, I was looking for Nala, we searched the house for an hour, uh, we couldn't, like, find him. Uh, and then we uh, came to the conclusion that he's gone out. So we looked around because usually when Nala slips out, he stays around the house and always tries to get back in through the door. But we couldn't see, her, see him anywhere. So it was around roughly one o'clock in the uh, 1 a.m. So 
finally appa called me to the room and said pray and um be at peace and we'll get nala back in the morning so i prayed about it and then i went to sleep and then around i think 4 o'clock in the morning i heard some cats fighting but this was i could tell this was very far from the house so i went to check it out it was five blocks down the road and then i saw that he was on the veranda of some random house fighting with a another cat that was twice his size so at that time i could not access that place and get him to come down so finally uh i called amma and i went with amma to check it but we there was no uh the same we couldn't get him back so i decided it's too early uh, we'll go back to sleep wait till around 6 a.m <clears throat> so i prayed and went to sleep uh, around 6 o'clock i woke up i went with daniel and uh joel uh, to look in the same place uh when ala was before so we went the the owner was awake so he said you can look around the place uh we looked for a while but we couldn't find him there so i went back home i was sitting on the sofa near the front net door and then uh, i i was a little disappointed so i almost gave up so i prayed again uh let nala come back somehow and then right as i prayed that i looked out and then nala's peeping in through the door like the net door so i told him nala's there and we got him back in the morning like appa said after we prayed so the next thing i like to talk about is uh i got a car so i've been wanting a vehicle of my own to get around uh because one if i took uh, my parents car they it would be an inconvenience also everyone wants a car of their own to uh drive around with their friends and stuff so for a while i looked at the second hand market because obviously i wanted a a really good car so uh i used to pray for a car with a good engine good brakes uh like something uh like a volkswagen or a skoda and i knew i couldn't like buy them new because they were expensive new so i looked at the second hand market uh and then finally i decided that were expensive for me right now so i looked at start looking at bikes because i also like bikes so i looked for a while and then finally uh i gave up on that for for some time too and then one day uh steve uncle comes to the house saturday evenings for for practice rehearsal and then after practice uh, appa calls me to the room and steve uncle is also sitting there so i thought um maybe appa wanted to look for something or needed help with something and when i went the appa was like Steve uncle wants to give you his Skoda. At the time I didn't know uh what to say. So uh up before Steve uncle used to jokingly said do you want the Skoda do you want the Skoda. Uh at the time I wouldn't have like been at peace getting it because I knew it would be 
a compromise for him if he that's a good car or that he has uh so at the time i wouldn't be at peace with taking this corridor and then uh, he also tells me that he's getting a car that's uh 20 times better than this corridor so is there such a car okay go on, go on. so apa told me to pray about it if i was at peace with the maintenance and spending money on it because obviously the maintenance is expensive on that car so i prayed for a day or two and then i was at complete peace with it so last week uh steve uncle handed me the keys to the car and yeah now i have a car and i'd like to thank the lord for all of this praise the lord hallelujah I want to talk to you about what I went through last week. And how the Lord told me not to grow weary of doing good. Like Samuel said, the cat went out. That was like the tip of the iceberg as far as i was concerned there were a lot of things that i was believing in the lord for that the lord will come through but then things seems to seem to go from bad to worse and i said to the lord show me a sign for good This is scripture. This is in Psalm 86 verse 17. Say show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you Lord have helped me and comforted me. But all that came to my mind was show me a sign for good. And that is what the Lord was reminding me of. that scripture show me a sign for good it is not because i had shipwrecked my faith it is not because i did not believe that jesus would eventually come through for me it is not because i doubted his goodness or his faithfulness but because i did not want to grow weary In Galatians 6:9 says let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart if we don't lose heart I had faith but I wanted my faith and my God to be real we walk by faith and not by sight but i said lord show me a sign for good while not laying a fleece like gideon i did not want to lose hope 
I did not want to stop doing good. I did not want to stop praying for others. I did not want to stop in believing in healing and miracles. I felt I might do that. I might grow weary of praying for someone thinking what's the use? Of course they will get healed when I pray. But I'm thinking what's the use for me? I hope you understand what I'm saying. I did not want to lose heart. I'm telling you what I went through. It is as real for me as it gets. But the Lord reminded me in Psalm 27:13, King David said, "I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living." He said, "Unless I saw that, I would have lost heart." And I said to the Lord, "Show me a sign for good." And then this all happened. And then the Lord said, "The cattle come back. All these things. There was a turnaround. I could feel it. I could feel a turnaround in the spirit. I can't explain it, but I I know it was there. There was there was things that happened one way." and then it turned around miraculously because of god because of jesus and it went better and it was the other way in psalm 34 and 9 and it's impo- important that we understand the verse 9 also in verse 8 it says oh taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the man who trusts in him that's a good thing but it says again oh fear the lord you is saints there is no want to those who fear him so part of fearing the lord yes it is being afraid of being wrong with him but it is to understand that he is god and we are man and he works in ways in spite of what we think and he remains faithful in spite of our unfaithfulness but it says oh taste and see that the lord is good that is experiential when i came back from the us one of the first things i did i remember i went to canopy in abad plaza i believe yes it was in the bottom floor and i ordered a burger this was way back in 86 nineteen eighty six or eighty seven eighty seven eighty seven eighty eight so they said, okay, we'll get you a burger and they gave me a burger. It looked like a burger, but it was not in any way a burger. first of all, instead of a meat patty, it had cutlet. you understand what a cutlet is, yes. and second instead of lettuce it had cabbage so i went up to the counter and i said what is this this is a burger sir so this is not a burger if you want i'll show you how to make a burger but then i decided it's better i don't go into the kitchen yeah 
And I took a bite out of what they gave me, the contraption they gave me, and it didn't taste like a burger. But if you don't know what a burger is, it looks like a burger. It feels similar like a, to a burger, but it does not taste the same as a burger. This is the same thing with the religion. Religion is not a substitute for relationship. You can have all the religion you want, but Jesus died to reconcile us to God our Father, to have a relationship with God our Father. If you just have religion, it looks the same. It feels similar. After all, you go to church, you go to a building that calls itself a church. You have a bunch of priests who, as far as I can tell, are excellent at fancy dress competition. I'm not talking about the Orthodox priest, I'm talking about Western pastors also. What's the point in wearing a Gucci suit? if you don't have the anointing. If it's similar, but it is not the same. But unless you taste what is real, how will you know that it is fake? And because people don't know what is real, they go after all kind of fake things, including Google. Without a relationship, you will be deceived. Without a relationship with God. Without having a real burger, you'll believe the substitute is real. The guy at the cash counter believed with all his heart, with all his mind, and with all his soul that he was giving me a real burger. I looked at that and I said, fake. Religion versus relationship. Why is this important? It is important, especially now, when you go to 2 Thessalonians 2.9. See, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with power, signs, and lying wonders. Lying wonders. Lying powers. Lying signs. How will you know what is real and what is fake? How will you know that healing is from God and not fake? That's why we must have a relationship with the Lord. Even in the Old Testament, God wants us to be careful. In Deuteronomy 13, it talks about a false prophet. It says, if there, is, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and gives you a sign or a wonder and a sign and the wonder comes to pass, that means it's real, it comes to pass, of which he spoke to you saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. 
That means all the sign, all this wonder is taking you away from the real God. You know what Deuteronomy says? Put him to death. Kill him. Have nothing to do with him. Why? Because you should love the real God with all your heart, with all your soul. It says that. How will you know what is real and what is fake unless you have a relationship with them? What God was doing was setting a pattern for us. And in Deuteronomy 13, 1 to 3, he says, God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. He's testing you. Do you just want miracles? Or do you love the Lord? There are a lot of people that have come just to see miracles or experience miracles. I told you about that. And I said to the Lord, I said, this is not happening. I don't want to do this. And you know what the Lord said? Well, you open the door. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God tests us. A relationship with God is not personal in the law of Moses. Why is that important? In the law of Moses, yes, you could adhere to all the law and you could love the Lord, but you can't have a relationship with Him because your sin separated you from God and you have to continually offer sacrifices for that sin. And I want to explain to you the difference between the law of Moses and the priesthood of Jesus Christ. The priesthood of Jesus Christ is Melchizedian, not Levitical. But we still follow Levitical traditions in, in traditional churches. We can't have a personal relationship with that. See, you can love the Lord, but you can't all be a priest. And if you're a priest, you can't be a king. And if you're, if you're a king, you can't be a prophet. Because these three were separated. To be a priest, you had to be a descendant of Levi. Because Jacob split, or after Jacob, the Melchizedek priesthood was split into three parts. When you look at his sons, the kings of Israel would come through his son Judah. Jesus was the king of kings. He came through whom? Judah, yes? The prophet Samuel was an Ephraimite. His father was an Ephraimite. Ephraimite is a descendant of Joseph. This was to continue until the Messiah would come and reestablish the Melchizedek priesthood. That is why Jesus is not a priest 
modeled after Aaron or Levi. He was modeled after Melchizedek. You must understand that. I'm talking about a relationship. Because in the other priesthood, you could have a relationship because Abraham was a friend of God, yes? Do you understand? And God spoke to Moses as he would speak to a friend. As. There's a difference. But what is the difference as far as you and I are concerned? See, Melchizedek is not a proper name, but a title. It's like saying president. A president of the United States, for example, is a title. The prime minister of India is a title. It's not a personal name, is it? So you can say that Adam was the first Melchizedian priest. How? He was given dominion. Therefore, he was a king. I explained all of this yesterday in our Bible study, yes? God talked and fellowshiped and revealed things to Adam. That makes him a prophet, yes? And Adam was also a priest because his children knew how to bring an offering to the Lord. You didn't need to bring an offering for sin before there was sin. After the fall, yes? Do do you understand? Yes? So, Adam can be seen as the first Melchizedian priest. Now, Jesus is known as the second Adam. You find that in 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus is the second Adam. So the Melchizedian priesthood was restored in Jesus. There was the Melchizedian priest, then there was the Levitical priesthood, and then the Melchizedian priesthood was restored by whom? By Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God that takes away our sin and restores us to our Father. There is no more sin because He paid the ultimate price by dying on the cross. Lamb of God. Do you understand? So there was no need for the priest to continually offer up sacrifices. Do you understand? And He restores us. Yes, He is the Lamb of God. And in Hebrews 7, 1 to 3, I want you to understand this. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated the king of righteousness, then also the king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor the end of life, but made made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually, without father, without mother, without genealogy. A lot of people have gone spooky with this. What it means is that you don't need to be the tribe of Levi 
to be a Melchizedekian priest. That means your father, your mother, your genealogy does not matter. If you are the president of a country or the United States, you are elected to that post. Unless you're George Bush, your father doesn't matter if you're the president or not, yes? I think there was another father and son person, but I, it's not important now. But what, you understand, Melchizedek was a title. And he's a priest that doesn't need to retire and the only way that priesthood is transferred on to the next person is when that priest dies. And here's Jesus who lives continually forever. And he does not ever die. And he remains a priest for us. Not only has he reconciled us, he's an advocate. Do you understand? Yes? And we have sinned. We come freely before him. Not out of guilt or condemnation. We come freely. A man of God sinned and he wasn't going to minister that evening. And Jesus appeared to him and said, Son, when you sin, run to me, not away from me. So we come and we fall into the arms of Jesus. Unlike the Levitical priesthood, Jesus lives forever. And that should encourage us. He reconciled with us with God, our Father in heaven, and He gave us His Holy Spirit. And He told us, Keep the faith. Fight the good fight of faith. And last week I told you about a passage in 2 Kings 13 where Elijah, Elisha was on, in his deathbed and Joash the king of Israel came down to him and he said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. This is in 2 Kings 13, 14 and 19. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on, the, on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window. He opened it. And Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of the deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Apek till you, till you have destroyed them. Then he said, Take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground. So he struck the ground. So, so he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with them and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria until you have destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. When the Lord spoke to me last week about this, 
He said, keep on striking. When the Lord gives you your enemies, don't have pity on them, destroy them completely. In the Old Testament, David says, not even dust remained. But here's King Joash. He parroted the right words. He said, oh, my, the horses of Israel and the horsemen and whatnot. Because he knew Elisha was dying. Why did he say that? Because Elisha said the same thing when he saw Elijah, his master, being taken up to heaven. In 2 Kings 2, 9-12, it says, And so it was when they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. And Elijah said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall be not so. So continues, and in verse 12 it says, And Elisha saw Elijah being taken away, and he cried out, My father, my father's chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Here's Joash repeating the same thing. There are people coming to churches, but there are, they are fake. They're burgers that are not real. You can parrot all the words that you want. One person that everybody thought was praying in tongues confessed to me saying he was not really praying in tongues but parroting what other people said because I said these are not tongues. These are not from the Lord. What you're saying is not right. And he said, yes, John Cheddar. So these are not tongues. I just hear other people and I do a mimicry act. They say, la, 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 la. I say, la, 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 la. They say, shaba, raba. I say, taba, raba, ra. They say, tie a bow tie. I say, tie a bow tie. They say, tie a red bow tie. I say, tie a red bow tie. Is it real? And for the longest time, I was concerned about itching ears. And until the Lord said, don't worry about this. I know the hearts of the people. I know who's real and who's not. And I will separate the tares from the wheat. You fulfill your calling and, your, and the command and the revelations which I have given you. So I'm telling you, this Melchizedekian priesthood that you and I have, because we are a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood, a king and a priest. And if you're the son of God, then you're filled with the Holy Spirit, yes? Do you understand? So you're a prophet of God, yes? Do you understand? Like I said, I spoke in detail with scriptures yesterday. But I want you to tell, I want to tell you that God is with you. And don't give up on whatever it is that you're going through. 
in 1 Peter 5:10 Peter saying after you suffered for a little while to the church to those who are a royal priesthood who are filled with the holy spirit he saying after you have suffered for a little while the god of all grace why god of all grace because it doesn't depend on your merit it de- doesn't depend on how many somersaults you have done or how many mountains you have climbed or how many sacks of potatoes you carry because this is the god of all grace who imparts his blessing and favor who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ who called you from out of the darkness into his marvelous light will himself that means he's taking the responsibility he says i've got this he'll himself complete confirm strengthen and establish you making you what you ought to be making you what he has created you to be just like your fingerprint is different don't try to be something else trust in the lord and paul himself says in philippians 3 one thing that i have understood one thing that if i do anything is that i pursue that goal i press towards a goal that prize of the upward calling of god in christ jesus that's one thing that i do one thing if i have understood anything that is what i mean it doesn't matter what is happening trust god he'll come through for you and this same paul is telling his spiritual son in 1 timothy 6 Verse 12 says, "Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called, and have confessed good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Are you fighting the good fight of faith, or are you stuffing your head with what you call knowledge, or are you throwing everything away that you have learned?" and going your own way or you think you're smarter than god humble yourself fight the good fight of faith faith means what trusting in the lord in spite of what is going on around you god assures us today that he's watching over his word to perform or fulfill them in our life Can you imagine that the God who created heaven and earth who created the buses and the cars and the other car that is 20 times better yes he will keep his promises to us he's keeping track of what he has promised you may not be keeping track but he knows what he has promised to you and me and he has not forgotten about us and what i do in case i forget is i write down all its promises all its prophecies i still have that book way back i started that when i got saved i still have that and when i go through tough times i go through all the 
prophecies. Now I have it on my phone, digitized. I keep in remembrance what the Lord has done. Because the Lord will not forsake me. One of the first scriptures that touched me after I came to the Lord was in Isaiah 49. And it talks about a woman forsaking a child. And the Lord is saying, even if your father and mother forsake you, I will not forsake you. This is in Isaiah 49, 14 and 15. Yet, yes, it says, they may forget, but I will not forget you. And it, he continues to say, I have written your name down in the palm of my hand. I will not forget you. This is our God. And this is the God. I said, show me a sign for good because I know you're good. But I want to see that sign. That is being real. That is having a relationship. I remember long time ago, once I was hungry. All the other times I was not hungry, but once I was hungry and I went and told my mom, I'm hungry, give me something to eat. Because she always made special food for my brother because he was not well, but you know, you talk to her now, I don't know if she remembers, yeah? I look at that, hamburger, cheeseburger, nice burger, yeah, everything, yeah? And I get all rice and curry and well, I said, no. Do, do, do you understand? We were not in, in India. But I said, I want, I'm hungry, I want to eat something. I want something good. Just like that, I went to my father in heaven. I said, I need to see your goodness. Show me a sign for good. I believe when I preach, when I say, okay, the cat will come back tomorrow, but I want to see a sign for good. I want to turn around in my life. And I believe the Lord is faithful and in doing that, and he has done that. Why am I telling you all this? Why am I sharing this with you? Because I want you to go to God and say the same thing. He's not going to get offended or angry with you. If you think that, you're deceived. Because it doesn't depend on your merit. You are his child, his son and his daughter. And you're going there because of that. Remember the Melchizedian priesthood, not a Levitical priesthood, Melchizedian priesthood. He's our father in heaven. Amen? And we approach him in truth and in faith. We approach him for our needs for and for the needs of the community that is known as the church. If somebody else is hurting, you go, stand in the gap and you pray for them. This is as real as it gets. It's not fake. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with our Lord and Savior. And it starts with us giving thanks for what He's done already in our lives. Are you breathing? Then give thanks. Did you have a good breakfast? 
and give thanks for that. I don't know about you, but I had good breakfast today. I had sausages and I had a burger. Well, it was looked like a burger, but it was in a sandwich, not in a burger um, bun, yes? But it was good. And then I had coffee. It tasted good also. And what did I do when I ate that? I thanked the Lord. I should thank my wife for making that. Yes, I have thanked her, but I thank the Lord, yes? For giving me that. Not only for giving me that, for giving me the ability and the tongue to enjoy that, yes? Hallelujah. He's given us the power to make wealth. But are we greedy or are we content? And if we're content with God, He gives us more. Money, I told you, is like oxygen that you breathe. You can't store it. And if you keep it in, you will die. How long will you keep it in? Four minutes? 16 minutes? The world record is what? 24 minutes? After that, you will what? Margaya. Just like that, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Not just money alone, but your spiritual gifts. What has God given you that you can give? Is it encouragement? Is it help? Is it provision? Is it works of mercy? Start giving that. Because why? Why am I telling all this? Because this is a solution to weariness. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Hallelujah. Don't grow, grow weary of doing good. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up in the presence of the Lord.